welcome back. Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams, uh, greetings everyone. Uh, coming to you with part two of our two-part series with Tiffany Derry and Tom Foley, uh, the leaders of T2D Partners, uh, Roots Chicken Shack, Roots Southern Table. Uh, really, really great interview. If you missed part one, uh, go back and, and listen to part one with Tiffany. It was such a pleasure to visit with her in our previous episode. Now we get to uh, hear from her business partner, Tom Foley. Uh, Sean, I've known Tom for some time. Uh, he used to run around uh, with uh, a lot of the Microsoft stuff we were doing when I first started here at Allen Media. Uh, Tom's a great guy, an attorney, business advisor, social entrepreneur, um, a bit of a renaissance man, Tom. You know, I love a renaissance man. You know, I love <laughs> someone who's had multiple careers, a lot of irons in the fire, uh, a man after my own heart. I love great partnerships. It takes it takes one to know one, Sean. Well, well, thank you. Thank yes. You. Love great yes. partnerships, kind of like what we got going here, you know, and to hear how other people have, have gotten their businesses started, to hear this story specifically, and to hear it from two different points of view is really, really interesting. So I'm, I'm super excited that, our listeners are going to get to hear more about Tom, who, like you said, you've known for a while, but also about his partnership with Chef Tiffany Deere. Yeah, it's really fun. I, I think everybody's going to really enjoy hearing. You know, there's a lot of modesty in this uh, in this episode, but uh, you know, don't don't be fooled. Tom is uh, really out there doing work. Um, the work they're doing with with uh, the restaurants, uh, you know, on the social justice front is is just really. Um, Really cool stuff, and uh, we're really grateful for the opportunity uh, to highlight them. So, without further ado, let's jump in, Sean. We're going to take a quick break. Be right back with our interview with Tom Foley. This is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Stick with us. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. Sean, earlier today we spoke with Tiffany Derry, of course, of T2D Partners. Now we get the, the second half of the equation in T2D Partners. He, of course, Tom Foley, uh, the founder of the Indigo Group, uh, a partner at T2D Partners, an attorney, an advocate. Uh, there's nothing this man can't do, apparently. Uh, Tom Foley, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, Ryan, Sean, thanks for thanks for having me. I, I will tell you that you you've got the first T already uh, in Tiffany. So, uh, you know, with the second T, it's not quite as exciting. But I appreciate you inviting me. Hey, we we had to, we had to get the the other book in here. So, uh, Tom, t- tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, you and I have known each other for several years and uh, uh, crossed paths in various locations across town. But uh, tell us about uh, you know, your, your past, your upbringing and, and well, where you are now. I, absolutely. Uh, I'll do an abbreviated version. I'm a, a New Yorker uh, by background, born and raised in Long Island, uh, went to college upstate New York uh, at Colgate University, went to 
law school at Villanova. But I think what's important is between college and law school, I taught high school for a year uh, in an under-resourced area in Queens, New York. And I was 21, uh, teaching high school students, some of whom were two years younger than me. Uh, and I learned a heck of a lot, uh, opened my eyes to experiences uh, that were much different from mine. Uh, and now looking back, it was probably the most influential professional year I had. Uh, didn't realize it at the time. So practice law in New York City, isn't that what you do, right? You, you grow up in, in Long Island and you, you go to law school. Where else are you going to practice? Uh, started with litigation. Uh, didn't like the fact that we're fighting every day, uh, or at least I was fighting every day. So went to the transactional side. Uh, realized that I was still fighting, right? 97% of the transaction went smoothly, but the 3% that didn't, I was dealing with, right? The, the, the smooth aspects, there was no need to, to get me involved necessarily. Uh, so ultimately transitioned to the business side, uh, worked with a company in, in New York uh, that ultimately had to shut down because of bankruptcy. They had some accounting issues, uh, ultimately touching on some accounting fraud. And for me, that was a pivotal point in saying, how can I leverage my skill set uh, if I have any? Uh, you said I could do everything, but maybe, maybe I can't do anything, right? How can I leverage my skill set uh, and try and drive greater equity uh, within our communities? And a lot of that was informed by my experiences between college and law school. And again, I didn't realize it at the time, uh, but that's what kind of came full circle and said, okay, how do I... How do I leverage that skill set to, to try and equitize, if I can use that word, uh, our society a little bit? Well, it sounds like um, that is something that's important to you, Tom. Your firm, Indigo Group, launches and operates social impact businesses that focus on social justice. So can you talk about the mission and vision of Indigo Group? Yeah. And, and you know, as Ryan said, we've run across each other a, a few different occasions. We ran across each other when... Uh, I was uh, working in partnership with the city of Irving, focused on uh, assisting women and minority-owned businesses launch and scale. Uh, And for me, when you talk about trying to create equitable opportunities, uh, you know, two key words are education and access. How can you provide education and access that particularly for uh, smaller businesses that don't have that network of resources? How do you build that? Uh, at the same point in time, Sean, you, you hit a key point, social entrepreneurship. I, I love uh, missions of not-for-profits uh, in the balance of the for-profit corporate structure. Uh, but for me personally, kind of in the lane of social impact is key, meaning uh, how can we address a social issue as the core focus of your business while driving profit. And that's how we define the, the social impact component, the social justice. Uh, so again, it showed itself uh, working with Ryan uh, in, in the space of helping those small businesses. Uh, it then advanced uh, and it's a journey. I'm sure you all appreciate and you've spoken to a lot of folks. I'm sure it's a journey that everybody will talk about. As we started to work with small businesses, you know one of the data points. Women of color is the fastest growing segment of small businesses. And we tend to celebrate up arrows. Up arrows aren't always something to be celebrated. And when we looked at the qualitative data, 
you found that many women of color that were opening their businesses were doing it because of necessity, not opportunity. So as, as the attorney, you know, issue, rule, apply, conclude, is the issue the fact that smaller businesses don't have the resources they need? Or is the issue that the corporate community isn't providing the opportunities for these now entrepreneurs? So that kind of led to uh, becoming an advocate uh, within the corporate space, hosting uh, workshops and uh, conversations around inclusion, uh, work with Next Up, which is formerly the Network of Executive Women nationally on their allyship programs. So built and stood up the curriculum there. Uh, where we work with cohorts consistently around building allyship within the workplace. Uh, I teach at Paul Quinn College. Uh, so I told you uh, between college and law school, I taught, which was an amazing experience. So I can't get myself out of the classroom. Uh, and if you haven't had the opportunity to be in a classroom, you know my, my key component is you should be teaching the students a whole lot and they should be teaching you more. And when that becomes lopsided, then it's time for you to exit the classroom. So for me, being in the classroom is also an opportunity to stay connected to and learn from the students and their experiences. You know, I, I get the pleasure of hanging out with this guy, Sean Williams, and he's done some great work. He, he and one of our co-owners, Jennifer Pascal, of course, done a series of you know webinars and a lot of other work. And um, I get to look at his smiling face when we walk in the door. He's got a great poster from his magazine cover. So um, it, it's, it's great to be with a, you know, a, a practitioner. I know it's obviously something that you're, uh, uh, passionate about, but you know, you're a New York guy. Why, why is this so important here in Dallas, Dallas County and the greater North Texas region? You know, it, it's, it's important, as you know, Ryan and Sean, it's important all over. Uh, mm-hmm. and the, the inequities, uh, exist in in many areas uh too many areas quite frankly when we moved to dallas one of the aspects that was striking to me uh was when we were talking with residents of the area and we're talking about schools and when we moved my daughter was going into first grade and my son was going into fifth grade and it was clear that there seemed to be uh significant dissuasion of enrolling in a DISD. And it seemed like a blanket comment that you know, Dallas Independent School Districts you know, may not provide the best educational opportunity uh, and you may want to explore. And then you know, the, the recommendation would be filling in the blank as to what they, they thought the solution was. Uh, and for me, it was just striking that uh, you have one of the more sizable school districts in the country, uh, and there's clear inequity. Uh, certainly don't know, and at the time, don't know the true history of Dallas, don't know the depth of some of those issues, uh, but certainly I didn't like what I was hearing. Uh, so how do you, how do you change that? Uh, and that was, you know, again, some of the steps of where can I land, and I don't want to be presumptuous and say I have talents, but if, if I have any talents, where can I lend those talents? Uh, Paul Quinn College being one, uh, Teach at Dallas College, which has a different community, a different student uh, demographic than some other schools in the area. And for me, I felt there was a need to drive that conversation. Uh, but again, Ryan, it's, it's not unique to Dallas by any means. Uh, I also thought it was important 
that the conversation when we talk about equity include the white dominant culture voice uh, in do it in a way that is uh, advocating and learning at the same point in time uh, and sharing so that we can work cooperatively to try and solve solutions that, that certainly have a, a racial component to it and, and deeper than that. You know, Tom, I really appreciate what, what you're saying. And, you know, as Ryan and I lobby compliments back and forth, which is pretty much what our whole show is, you know, we, we had a really good series called Where Do We Go From Here? Uh, and it was a conversation about race. And it's like, there's no conversation for me to have if there's not somebody on the other end like Ryan to have that conversation with. And so one of the questions I, I'm, I'm thinking about based on listening to what you're talking about is, you know, when you are talking and seeing other attorneys, when you even as a professor, when you're talking to your friends, you talked about kind of how it's important to have some of the, the white voices involved in these conversations. So what's some of the feedback you hear? What do people say? when you talk to them about these concepts? You know, the, the so I've, I've got two answers to that, that question. One, uh, I think is, is, I'll say telling. I also think it's interesting uh, from a, an analysis perspective. Um, some of the feedback or some of the questions are probably the primary question I get is why? Why, why do you do this? And you know, over the course of years, I, I'm not so sure I've come up with a satisfactory answer for the listener. And as the one that's providing the answer, sometimes, you know, you go through the stages of emotions, uh, you know, frustration, anger, like, why do you need to know? <laughs> and I, I went to law school. No one ever asked me why I went to law school, right? They didn't say, Oh, you majored in economics in college? Why'd you major in economics in college? They presumed I was interested in economics, right? And that, that made sense to them. I go to law school. Okay, you did pretty well at college. You go to law school. You want to be a lawyer. No one ever asked me why because it made sense to them. Then when I did something that seemingly doesn't make sense, there has to be a, a why behind it. Why? Uh, and, and that was key. And then you know, the second component uh, is the reaction. And, and Sean, what comes to mind is that as part of a, a, the Aspen Institute uh, fellowship that was in Dallas, mm-hmm. we had a conversation on race. Uh, and for me, the question came up, when was the first time you seriously had to deal with race? And it was when I was in my young 20s and I was marrying into in East Indian family, and they didn't like the white guy coming into the brown family. And a few points of resonance. Uh, One, how lucky am I that I live on this earth 20 plus years and race is not anything that I have to handle, challenge, deal with, respond to, or be impacted by. Uh, The reverse is not about me. It's about the other people that are in the conversations where I had a gentleman who was a black gentleman who came up to me and he said, I really appreciate that perspective. I didn't allow myself to understand your view that I've, I've known I was black from the time I could know I was black and I've had to deal with it every day of my life. And 
what you've given me an appreciation for is recognizing that when I'm talking with you in a conversation, 20 years of your life, you, you didn't think what I thought about every day. You didn't experience what I thought about every day. And by no means was he saying I'm 20 years behind him in the thought process. It was more, hey, now I get what lenses you may be wearing when you say or respond or share certain information compared to my experiences. So, you know, those are completely different answers. I understand, Sean, but, but hopefully they, they kind of blend and make a little bit of sense. Absolutely. An answer for everybody. I like it. We're talking to Tom Foley on Deconstructing Dallas. This is Ryan Trimble and Sean Williams. We're going to take a quick break. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. We are speaking with Tom Foley, founder of the Indigo Group. Uh, he is a partner with T2D and an attorney and advocate. And, uh, you know, we, we've had a chance to talk to Tiffany, Chef Tiffany, and, and we know that you guys are doing gangbusters with Root Southern Table, but also um, you are have a, new, a newer concept um, with the um, – Bruce Chicken Shack. And, you know, there is a true opportunity. I know that there's a social kind of model there as well. And so I wanted to see if you could talk about the kind of change that you're looking to make uh, with that brand. Yeah, thank you for that, that question, Sean. As we talked about at the beginning of Deconstructing Dallas, that we see that there's not equal access education, not equal access to opportunities. Uh, and for us, Tiffany and myself, how, how can we try to shift that system? How do we try and shift that experience? So we have Roots Chicken Shack. You know, it's, it doesn't seem like those that question and that answer match, right? Oh, hold up a second. You're going to shift the system and you're talking about fried chicken sandwiches and, and chicken tenders. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm there for lunch, but I, I ain't seen you shifting any systems. Um, but the idea is how can we create a concept that economically matches any other fast casual concept? And we think we've uh, started to build a framework that does that from all of the costs and, and build out costs and square footage. As a matter of fact, you've got a pretty lean footprint we can open a space with a 350 square foot kitchen and do volume that uh, restaurants at, at larger kitchen volumes can, can handle. Uh, we do have two locations, one up in Legacy Hall in Plano and one down in Austin in the Mueller district within an HEB. But what we've done recently is we, we just announced a project in the city of DeSoto. And what we've done is basically said, can you answer these three questions? Yes. Question one, do you have restaurant experience? Question two, do you have $25,000 or less in the bank? Question three, do you have a 650 credit score or lower? Then we want you to operate into ownership of our Roots Chicken Shack in DeSoto. The idea being through partnerships with the municipality, 
uh, community development financial institutions, working with community banks, can we create a model that allows that person, uh, ideally, uh, say a woman from the community of DeSoto, historically Redline District, for her to come in and say, you know, I have, I have $7,000 in the bank. I've been an assistant manager at this quick service restaurant. I really know what I'm doing inside and out. Uh, my credit score has been impacted because uh, either there was a medical condition or you know, I'm paying my bills, but I've got two children at home and I'm carrying some debt. Uh, I'd really love to own my own restaurant. Right? I, I think right now the answer is, uh, well, stick at it. We'll see what we can do. For Roots Chicken Shack, because of the partnership with the municipality, because of the partnership with the, the banks, we can create a vesting schedule for you to own it. So this isn't, again, we talked about social entrepreneurship. This isn't a charity. We're not, we're not giving any restaurant to anyone. We're saying you, you need to pay for it. Um, the way the system has been uh, skewed, you don't have the traditional way to pay. Uh, but you do have a skill set, you do have time. So we're going to go through that sweat equity payment and you'll gain ownership in the, the restaurant. For us, that's what we are excited about. Uh, and we do think we're in position, uh, hopefully within you know, the foreseeable future to scale. And we want to create what we call a 10 to 1 model. If you're really going to grow a franchise, uh, you do need the traditional form of investment. You do need uh, investors coming in that can open 10 units in Atlanta, for instance. But we want to make sure that for every 10 units that we create this ownership opportunity from a historically red lines district and a community member from that district that becomes the owner. So for us, that's what, I mean, Tiffany's amazing in the kitchen and she can spin up some ingredients that are, that are crazy good. Um, and y'all have to come to Root Southern Table uh, for dinner. For us, we're trying to spin up some, pardon the pun, some ingredients that are in the business world that create unique opportunities and, and bring flavors out that we haven't seen before. I love it. I love it, Tom. Now, uh, here, here's the, the trick question. We, when we were talking to Tiffany, we said, what, what should we ask Tom? And she <laughs> said, ask him uh, to tell you about what sealed the deal on our partnership. So, <laughs> I, I pose this to you. Yeah. You know, it. it we, we had just done a, an interview recently, and, and, and I'm sure you talk to entrepreneurs and, and say, what's one of the key either mistakes or recommendations you have as an entrepreneur? Uh, and it's treating your partnership like you would a marriage. Uh, so Tiffany uh, had reached out to me, and you had the opportunity to speak with Tiffany. Unfortunately, I should be the first one that you, you do the podcast with because uh, I, am, I am a distant second uh, in, in the engagement. So when you talk to Tiffany, right, there's something about her spirit, right? You just, you feel it. So as we're talking, she wanted to meet with me talking about the structure of uh, investment deals for restaurants, you, you kind of leaning on my legal background. And we couldn't figure out the right time to meet. So I said, well, you know, just come to my house because that's when it worked. I've never done that with a client before, right? I, I, I don't suggest that they come to my house, but there was something in the phone call. So then we meet and we wound up talking for, I don't know, two or three hours. Uh, again, not what attorneys do, and I didn't bill for it, right? I wasn't trying to, wasn't trying to get all the hours in. It was just, there was a connection. So we started talking and said, hey, did you ever have any interest in the hospitality space? Would you have any interest? So yeah, we, we had that shared component. So we're meeting one day, and since this is deconstructing Dallas, we met you know along Tollway and Alpha. There's a, there's a coffee location there. Uh, 
and my wife doesn't work far from there. And she said, oh, I, you know, invite your wife down. Uh, I'd love to meet her. Um, so sure, we, we grab some coffee and, and you know, to, to reveal the punchline a little quickly, if, if you like me even a little bit, uh, I know if you meet my business partner or my personal partner, you'll like me a little more, right? So <laughs> second, Tiffany, second Tiffany says, you want to meet your wife? I'm like, oh, yes. Like, she, she makes me look even better if I look good to begin with, right? So she makes me look good. So she came down, they hit it off. And uh, at the end of that, she, you know, my wife heads back to work and Tiffany goes, so you want to be partners? And I was like, I, I, I do, but like it was, why, why kind of the, the, the sudden question? And she said, I wanted, to, I wanted to hear from your wife about how she views you, who you are as a person, uh, not what you present from a business perspective. And you know, those are going to be like who you truly are. Uh, and that's where we clicked. Um, so the key was, uh, you know, the, the Rupa is my wife's name. Rupa and uh, Tiffany had to connect. And then I was, I was invited to be part of their, the, the next step of T2D concepts. Most well, like Sean and I. Yeah, I was about to say, you got two guys on the line here who, who wholeheartedly understand where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, Tom, um, you know, for anybody who wants to connect, wants to find out more, um, how are ways that, that our listeners can engage? Yeah. So, you know, we, we uh, t2dconcepts.com is, is kind of our main website that leads to our brands. Uh, we hopefully we've got a, a spice that hopefully will be on the shelves of a supermarket uh, that you'll recognize. Uh, hopefully in about three months. Uh, we're looking to build out Chicken Shack and Southern Table. So those websites will, will lead you there. Uh, I'm not unbelievably social media active, uh, though I've got to improve that. So it, I think at TX Foley for Instagram and, and Twitter. Um, Tiffany is obviously leading our, our charge with that. So certainly follow Tiffany at MasterChef uh, TD. Uh, but of course, LinkedIn under Indigo Group and Thomas Foley. But um, I appreciate you inviting me and uh, allowing me to share a little bit about what we're working on. Well, we certainly enjoyed having you, Tom. Thanks so much for coming on. This Absolutely. is Deconstructing Dallas, Ryan Trimble, Sean Williams. We'll be right back. back deconstructing Dallas Sean Williams Ryan Trimble Ryan I'm really glad that after a little bit of time off that we had these two interviews to come back to because I think it really highlights two people that are really doing a lot in Dallas they've got some innovation as it relates to franchising innovation as it relates to their restaurants but really making a difference from a social justice and an impact standpoint yeah thank you uh, to both Tiffany and Tom um Great stuff. We look forward to to catching up soon and to dining with you soon. So um, thank you again for the time. And thanks to Jennifer Pascal and Mary Whitley, both of our owners who helped us pull this one together. And, uh, you know, it's taken us a while to get it going, but it, it really has paid off. So definitely want to give them a shout out as well. That's right. And Sean, I'm going to tease a little bit of our, should I call it our fall season? I think our spring season was a bit short this year, but oh. 
<laughs> I like teasing the fall because it just sounds like cooler weather. It, it does. We're going to go from hot weather and hot restaurants to some really cool guests this fall doing some uh, important work at City Hall and across uh, across Dallas, uh, beyond the, the walls of 1500 Marilla. Um, so we look forward to joining you all again. Well, Ryan, let's, uh, let's not make it as long between episodes this time. Amen. I've heard from our tens and tens of listeners, and they have told me they, they want more. They are hungry, Sean. And we have got to do that. Uh, but also, you know, we got a little work to do around here, so we are going to make sure that we get both of those things accomplished. Let's do it. All right. Well, for Ryan Trimble, this is Sean Williams. We want to thank everyone that has helped us pull this episode together. Uh, again, thanks to Mary Woodley, Jennifer Pascoe. Thanks to Deborah Meek, who has helped get us back on track and get us rolling. Uh, you know, again, we haven't asked this in a while, but for all of our listeners, please share this with folks who you think would benefit from hearing it, uh, leave us a five stars and a review, a wonderful review. Um, you know, make sure that we, you can be heard here at Deconstructing Dallas, and that is the way. Follow us on Twitter, he's R-Trimble, R-T-R-I-M-B-L-E-15. I am Sean P. Williams, S-H-A-W-N-P Williams. Uh, we have got, as Ryan said, something really cool coming up next. So make sure you tune in, hang with us, Deconstructing Dallas, Sean Williams, Ryan Trimble. Adios.